Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Let's hear it for the one and only super producer, Mr. Max Williams. Who's that? <laughs> okay. And, uh, Who's that boy? <laughs> my lot, lot, it's Max. Who's that sound cue? Uh, maybe it's Max. Maybe it's Maybelline. I'm Ben. Uh, Noel, you know, I was thinking. I'm born with it. Just You're born. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I know. I know. That's why we hang out. So I um I, I was thinking about this. We had this lovely conversation just a second ago for us off air about how we're we're always very fortunate and uh, we acknowledge how grateful we are to be able to do these shows with you, ridiculous historians. And Noel, I like to think that we haven't let our jobs change us too much. Would you agree no, with that? No, I, I would agree with that, yeah. I, I, you know, I try to actively not become a monster. That's one of my goals. And I think the first step to doing that is self-awareness, a skill which uh, the subject of today's episode, John Paul Getty, seems to have lacked, perhaps. I don't know. We're fortunate for sure, but we're not John Paul Getty fortunate. And that man uh, was made of the kind of money that changes people. Yeah, we're also not J. Paul Getty petty. We're not that level of petty. Mm -hmm. Now, this guy, you're going to see, we're not sure whether this will be a two-part episode because uh, we (laughs) sometimes our off-mic conversations get to be a little bit like group therapy. Like, what do we think about the world? How does it inform (laughs) ourselves? So. Uh, happy birthday. What would we do if we had all the money in the world? Right. Don't, right. don't buy the violin after the first year, rent it for the first year, yes, then right. buy it. Then right. you know you really like it. Mm-hmm. True yeah, story. We, we, we were just talking about we, that. We wrapped that into a real big metaphor about the plight of humanity. Yeah. And so bowling was involved. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, uh, don't, you don't buy the ball on day one. Yeah. yeah. I've joined, I, I have accidentally joined a Vulcan themed bowling league. Shout out to our awesome graphic designer, Pam Peacock, who is our uh, fearless leader in that regard. But, but 
Let's not bury the lead. John Paul Getty. You have doubtlessly heard the name Getty. You may not have heard it associated with the family because it is a legit American aristocracy. It's a dynasty. Like there are actors who are part of the Getty dynasty. We'll get into all of that. But what you need to You might to have know, seen some of their pictures. You might have seen uh, their pictures. They control a huge or a significant chunk of copyrighted images like Getty images is something that uh, Noel, you and I, and probably you too, Max, at this point had to, uh, we had to interface with often when we're starting shows, when we're looking for images to share. Back when I was writing a ton of uh, old House Stuff Works videos, we had to go back and forth about which Getty images we could afford. Um, I think you can even find a group shot of some of us on Getty Images. We made it to Getty Images. Hey, we were jerks about it for like. All you gotta do is walk hours. a red carpet. Yeah, every yeah. red carpet in the world is on Getty Images, no exactly. matter the, the quality or or size. Exactly. So this uh, Getty Dynasty. The reason Getty is such a recognizable word in the Western world today is because by the late 1960s, this guy John Paul Getty had become known as the richest man in the world. Now, that's a tricky title because as anybody who listens to stuff they don't want you to know can tell you, the real most powerful people in the world are not rated as much by bank accounts. Nobody knows how much money Putin actually has, for instance, uh, even when Russia is turning into a dumpster fire. This guy, though, he got, Getty got called the richest man in the world by Fortune magazine in 1957, and he was an oil man, right, Noel? He was. He was a man of oil. Uh, animal collected someone by the same name. Yeah, you know, he, he got in on the ground floor. I mean, I think maybe in some ways the character of Daniel Plainview in um, There Will Be Blood mm -hmm. might have been influenced or inspired by Getty. Uh, I'm just oh, yeah. kind of just spitballing on that. I don't know that for sure. But, you know, in the same way that Paul Thomas Anderson sort of vaguely based uh, the character uh, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman in The Master on L. Ron Hubbard, mm -hmm. it's definitely a vibe uh, because, you know, oil is one of those things where to truly become a titan of the industry, you got to kind of get in on the ground floor. 100%. You got to get in on... You got to drink uh, everyone else's milkshake. Yeah, you got to get below the ground floor, <laughs> you know, uh, start drilling. Well, also, J. Paul Getty was the inspiration for an excellent little Saturday Night Live sketch with Adam Driver as an oil man talking to his... <laughs> talking at his son's uh, career day at school. Uh, do check it out. Do you guys remember that one? I, I don't think I've seen this. One. Uh, I'm going to send it to you after this. Uh, all right, we'll do our homework first. So he had been called the richest man in the world for a while because by the time he had consolidated his various businesses into what was called the Getty Oil Company, his personal fortune, not related to his job, his personal fortune was estimated to be at more than $2 billion by like 1967. But as you know, more money, more problems. Hip hop is right. Uh, his <laughs> his uh, family had a lot of personal tribulations and travails such that people started asking whether the Gettys were cursed. And 
to learn about whether or not this is a curse. First off, wait, we've talked about this before on various shows on and off air. Noel, Max, do you guys believe in curses? Oh, gosh, belief is a hell of a drug. Um, I don't know about that. I mean, I feel like I believe in something resembling karma. Sure. I feel like if you're a person of great means and you put negative things out into the world and you screw people over, then potentially negative things will come back to you. But I I don't know. That's probably about as hippie as I get uh, in my belief system. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of other circumstances that can cause stuff that looks like a curse to happen. Mm-hmm. And I do think karma is like, you know, not like the direct like actual notion of karma, but like something similar to that is a part of that. But just I, I, I think calling something a curse is like very good, like get a jail free card of just being like, oh, all these terrible things have happened instead of just like, you know, being like all these terrible things happen and I have a hand. Right. To play in these things. Right. So saying a curse that saying something is a curse is refusing to acknowledge oneself as the only constant in the equation of catastrophe. I get it. I mean, my favorite definition of magic is weaponized psychology. That's a shout out to our our buddy, Dr. Uh, Damian Patrick Williams. Look up his work. So anyway, let's learn about Getty before we learn about whether or not there's a curse. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. Cement Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know. 
I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac, Bonnevilles. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This story has it all. There's kidnapping. There's uh, high-level secession vibes, if you're familiar with that show. And there's a lot of tragedy. So no fooling by any measure. This guy is one of the most successful tycoons of industry in all of U.S. history. He did make multiple billions of dollars in the oil business, but he didn't, you know, he didn't start from the bottom. You know, he didn't come out the mud, as as people often say. The Gettys, his forebears started as Scotch-Irish Presbyterian immigrants, one town in Pennsylvania is even named after the family. That's Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. You might recognize that from some other stories or if you are a fan of history. His father, George, George F. Getty, got into corporate law and insurance in Minneapolis. And then he moved the family to Oklahoma in 1904 to get in, like you said, Noel, on the ground floor of the oil business he started making some pretty good scratch uh, in just a few years with the Minnehoma Oil Company. And around that time, he was already, like, before Jay Paul ever gets on the scene, his father is has already made it. He's already a millionaire several times over. Correct. Speaking of correct things, I just want to point out that I can't find any evidence that uh, P.T. Anderson specifically drew influence from Getty for his character and There'll Be Blood is based yeah. on the book Oil by Upton Sinclair. But it's just such a rarefied position that there there are certainly similarities, you know, uh, in terms of the kind of riches that, that that sort of discovery and that sort of, you know, career path and how, like, you know, there can only be a few, right? Like actual bona fide oil magnates. So I think I was uh, barking up the right tree in theory, but I just can't find any direct quotes from Anderson uh, citing uh, Getty as an inspiration. Oil by Upton Sinclair, though, I read that book. It is based on the life of another tycoon named Edward L. Tony? 
Doheny or something like that. That's right. It's Doheny or something. Yeah, Doheny, exactly. yeah. Weird, with a weird H placement. Yeah, but but still, like you said, rarefied air. And this rarefied air of financial success is what Jay Paul is born into. Uh, he gets out of college in, in pretty young. He's 21 years old. He graduates college. And over the summer, he is working in the family business. He's working at the oil fields. And his dad wasn't really giving him money. His dad was lending him money and said, here, go make your own way, John Paul. Invest in oil wells all thine own. I don't know why he's doing these and thous. That's more of a Quaker thing. I, I dig it. Uh, I think it suits him. Um, but yeah, it's, it's true. He, he takes that whatever seed money and he does invest it smartly and pretty quickly makes his first million dollars, which in those days uh, was significant, significant scratch. And he's quoted as saying, in building a large fortune, it pays to be born at the right time. I was born at a very favorable time. If I had been born earlier or later, I would have missed the great business opportunities that existed in World War One and later. I suppose it takes a long time and it takes extraordinary circumstances to be born at the right time and to have cash and money available at the right time. I was fortunate to Due to my father's foresight and my good luck, Mister Wayne. Sorry, the kind of a the kind of a Bane voice there. I don't know where that came from, but I'm rolling with it. Yeah, timing is everything. Getting in on the ground floor of an industry is everything, and only a few people can do it. Yeah, I want to jump in here because we we said at the top that this guy kind of lacks some self awareness, which is 100 percent true. But yeah. this is one of the lines where I'm like, he at least somewhat seems aware that it's not like I did all of this. I am so great. I am just amazing. He at least realizes it's like, well, I, I, I had some money that I got from my dad and I got into this business at the exact right time. Well, yeah. he's also, uh, you can tell that his, his father, the patriarch of the Gettys was one of the few people that he actually looked up to and respected. So right. maybe that's, that's a function of it. And I think it probably really, uh, embedded in him this idea of you know no handouts you know like i mean yeah you'll 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 get your inheritance when i'm dead until then uh you're not getting a, a, a red cent unless it's something that i'm gonna you know use to invest Ooh. in you and you show me that you've got the chops otherwise you know he, he didn't he wouldn't suffer any shiftless layabouts let's just say he, he wouldn't suffer anyone that was just trying to coast on the family fortune because clearly his father instilled that in him well sort of there was definitely a process because the year after he makes his first million he does become one of those shiftless layabouts just like a hero's journey joseph campbell thing he spends some time in the wilderness of vice uh he <laughs> He spends two years in Los Angeles as what would have been called a playboy. He's just blowing money in the clubs, making it rain, chasing chicks. And this is from 19, uh, he gets back in the oil business in 1919. So 1917, 18, those are his lost years. Once he gets back in the oil business, he also has a tumultuous love life. He's married and divorced three times in the 20s. And his father, George F., who was still very much in the mix, is like, hey, I think you're good at business. But son, you got to button up your love life, buddy. 
you know, the imagined conversation is, well, what if you get into the realm of politics? Morality or the appearance of such is important. That's a great quote that I just made up, but to be clear, that's not an actual quote. That's just the conversation I think they had. Yes. And so he said, like, as George was dying, he uh, he starts warning his son and telling his uh, associates, because I wouldn't call them friends at that level of wealth. He says, look, my son's going to destroy the family business. He can't have the whole pie. So George F. Getty dies with a fortune in excess of $10 million. He leaves his son, J. Paul, about 500 grand, and he leaves the business to his wife. See, you got to wonder, though. I mean, everything you just said, you know, is, is absolutely accurate. But like, you got to wonder, did he do this as almost like a test? Like, so he had to pull himself up by his bootstraps, kind of like when he just gave him that the, the loan early on and then he invested it right. And now he's sort of like in this wandering, in this wilderness of vice, as you say. And he's almost like, you know what? The worst thing I could do for my son, it will just keep him in this like limbo, uh, is leave him all of this money, you know, unchecked uh, and leave him this company, which at this point in his life, he may well drive into the ground. So I think honestly, whether he was he did this consciously or not, this is probably the best thing that could have happened to John Paul Getty, getting that, you know, I mean, by, by, by most mortal standards, $500,000 isn't a pittance, but compared to the big old pie that, that, that was uh, on the table, uh, it really was. But it really did force Getty to flex some of the knowledge that he had that uh, George maybe didn't even know he had because he really had been doing his homework and studying and he was very familiar with things like petroleum geology, if you know anything about the art world, you know that Getty is huge in that uh, realm in terms of grants, in terms of museums mm -hmm. and all that stuff. That all started with this guy, uh, with this guy, Jean-Paul Getty. He uh, was a very polyglot. familiar with the art world, and he was um, a very worldly man. He could speak French and German and Italian. He also could conversationally get along in Spanish, Arabic, Russian, and Greek, uh, as well as being able to read read Greek and Latin. So he was an incredibly intelligent person and a, a very skilled businessman, um, despite his kind of, you know, dalliances in his 20s. Well, this is, okay, so this is a question. Yeah, the word I just said, polyglot, is just the fancy word for speaking multiple languages well. And I know some polyglots, they're usually really cool. But this is one of my questions. So if you were a child of privilege, if you were a scion to a, a dynasty like this, is it not true that you have more opportunities to cultivate those pursuits? Oh, yeah. This guy wasn't, you know, scratching wheat out of the dirt. No uh, question. So I, I would say if you hear these kind of accolades, folks, and you're an average person, just remember that the, this is a guy who started on third base. So he had time yeah. to stroll to the home run of those various achievements. No doubt. I mean, How'd that baseball uh, analogy work, Max? Is that? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. Give him a break. Come on. I, yeah. it, worked I, it, was, it worked fine. It was it visual. Fine. I, liked, I liked the image of strolling. Imagery, it works great. In actual baseball, it makes no sense. I'll yeah, okay. Now. No, I figured that was, I just wanted a gut check. All right. Fair, 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 fair. So, yeah, it sort of reminds me of like how, you know, oftentimes a lot of folks who become very successful actors, not always, but sometimes, or, or successful musicians or whatever, they've got a bit of a safety net. Pretty often. Know? Pretty often. 
And they're able to go to the finest of, of, of drama schools, you know, mm-hmm. um, because they were they were able to receive, you know, the best education, uh, again, financial safety net that allowed them to kind of just, you know, go out there and try uh, to be mm-hmm. uh, an artist or, or an actor because they didn't have to worry about making ends meet. Also, I want to backtrack. You know what, Ben? I'm yeah. thinking about it more. It made a lot of sense, baseball sense-wise. So I'm thinking someone else hit the home run. Right, like, that's what know, I'm saying. Like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to apologize. Good, 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 good analogy, buddy. Oh, I'm thanks, you. man. You don't have to apologize. I'm not Getty. I'm not just weirdly mad at people. But the... Uh, the and, the and thing- until, I get, until, until I get your inheritance and it's like one dollar, it's like for making fun of that baseball analogy. He will ruin time. this. He will ruin this company, this fictitious company. So here's another film comparison. If you want to, before we get to Getty's more villainous behavior or morally objectionable behavior, it's like he's in that. He's like Robert De Niro's character in that film Casino. He is an obsessive researcher. I love that you pointed out his knowledge of petroleum geology. So like the scene in Casino where you see Robert De Niro testing the basketball and looking at the floor and bouncing stuff before he makes any bets or anything like that. This is what Getty is doing, what Jay Paul is doing uh, when he starts making international oil deals. He's researching the land, the wells, the geology. He learns Arabic, or he gets com- uh, he gets conversational in Arabic, not fluent, so that he can directly negotiate with the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia to get a sixty year concession or lease on an oil field. He pays nine point five million dollars for it in nineteen forty nine. No oil has been discovered there yet, right? People are thinking there might be some, but they're not doing the casino level research that he did. So he pays $9.5 million, ton of money back then, ton of money now. And then he pays 30 more million dollars to explore the oil field before he hits the oil in 1953, like just like the Beverly Hillbillies, up from the ground comes a bubbling crude. Production reaches 16 million barrels a year. That's more than $1 billion at today's prices per year. Buddy. Yeah. Again, like the privilege of being able to explore (laughs) those oil fields and having the infrastructure in place and the knowledge, you know, like very much born on uh, whichever base uh, is appropriate. Born on born at shortstop. Is that a thing? That's not really a base. It's more of a, that's a person. Uh, anyway, I'm sorry. I had to try my hand at the baseball metaphor as You're well. You're doing it. We, we, Thanks, uh, a rising tide You're carries all it. vessels. Max, I don't want to hear another word from you. A home run when the bases are loaded. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that, that yeah. clears the field. Where it's <laughs> right. Uh, clearly I'm not a golfer. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he did, he did, he did good. He, he did real good. And essentially, you know, did better than his father. He, did and part of that's because the business of oil is evolving as well you know what i mean uh he steered the business toward global domination but again remember the business was left to his mom not directly to him but he's still like doing a lot of the day-to-day stuff and george's prediction about his son was you know i know you have your head on your shoulders with business but your personal life is going to be a problem. And mm, that seemed to be, that seemed to have some sand to it for a while. 
he would go on to have five wives. He had five sons with four of his five wives. And in each case, it wasn't the best marriage. There was tragedy. People weren't communicating well. That's the key to a good relationship. There were uh, there was also just rank indifference. He was icing some of them. His eldest son, George Franklin Getty II, was supposed to be the heir. But just like that show Succession, they didn't get on too well. Like, he barely spoke with his son, who was supposed to be his heir. I didn't know this until uh, we started researching this with our research associate, Dr. Zach. Zach. But Jay Paul didn't go to his own son's wedding. He was like, I got oil barrels to count yeah. or something. Yeah, gold coins to swim in. Yeah. Giant vault. I always love that image with George Scrooge McDuck, mm-hmm. uh, where he spits out the coins. I thought yeah, that was but don't do it. It's yeah. dangerous. So oh, people yeah. Try yeah. that in real life. You will break bones. You will break bones or at the very least get a really bad concussion. So he's skipping out his son's wedding. He doesn't really have any time for his grandchildren. And that's the son that, like, he he kind of liked, I guess. Not liked, but, like, he, he had a high position in the company. Maybe you know? number two. Yeah. Exactly. Um, it's, it's it's a little confusing as to you know because being liked by Jean Paul Getty basically just meant he 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 wouldn't completely ice you out and skip your wedding. It wasn't like he was you know throwing you parties and giving you hugs or anything. I don't think he gave good hugs. Uh, I would imagine. Um, but his son, uh, his other son, John Paul Getty Jr., had four sons um, with his wife Gail Harris. John Paul Getty the third was one of these sons. And really, the, the 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 subject of kind of the main plot twist in today's story. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah. Um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool, I, yeah. I, I just remember, it was my dad's. I, I was a hand-me-down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something, you know? I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonnevilles. right? Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was, a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, <laughs> I said El Camino and I met Monte Carlo. 
I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed. Cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So... We'll call him, let's just call him JP3. JP3 uh, is the son of John Paul Jr., who uh, divorces his wife, JP3's mother, Gail Harris, in 1964. And then JP Jr., <laughs> JP3's dad, moves to Rome and uh, he remarries to a woman named Talitha Pohl. But allegedly, or according to historians of the family and reports, he became addicted to heroin. And that's very sad. It just seems like he was sort of a little bit adrift, you know, and didn't really have any direction or, or like a set of skills and just kind of withered a little bit. Um, so JP3, who is his son, also ends up moving to Italy as a teenager. At first, he's at a boarding school like you do. But he's a bit of a troublemaker, a bit of a problem child. He gets kicked out. He's expelled. And even though his father had left Rome uh, and moved to England following his new wife's overdose on heroin, he had to skip town, I guess, JP3 continued living in Italy on his lonesome. Yes. Yeah. And became a bit of a bohemian. Yeah, he was he was a kid without consequences. You've probably met some in your own life, ridiculous historians. You may have grown up as one. He got expelled from a lot of schools. He was partying. He was considered artistic, but he was just he was a wild kid. He's like one of those kids who it uh for whom it doesn't matter 
if you stay in the fancy boarding school, your parents can just put you in another one or your family. He threw a Molotov cocktail during a protest. He was, he was just always partying. And because of this, because of his behavior and the notoriety of his family, he was like a low-key local celebrity while he was living in Rome uh, at the age of 16. And he had long, curly hair. The press gave him a nickname that wasn't J3. They called him the Golden Hippie. Uh, and, <laughs> and this is where things get a little bit strange. So one day, he's been out partying all night, He's walking home, maybe singing a, a, a song from a local music hall. It's the wee hours of July 10th, 1973. A car skirts, skirts up beside him, and the driver says, Excuse me, signore, are you Paul Getty? And Paul, uh, we don't know how drunk he was, but Paul goes, Yeah, man. And then they grab him. They black bag him, basically. They pull him into a car. They muzzle him with uh, a pad soaked in chloroform and a gag, and they drive him away. He gets snatched. One note about chloroform, a lot of times movies are lying to you. If you want, there's a reason they use the gag. It's not just to keep him quiet. It's to keep the chloroform on his face. Because if you chloroform someone and you remove it, they will come to shortly thereafter. This is not a step-by-step guide on how to incapacitate people. It's just good to know these things in case situations occur. Ben, you got a chloroform guy? What? Yeah. I mean, you know, Gandhi would have said you got to be the chloroform guy you wish to see in the world. But don't, right, do fair. <laughs> no, don't do I, it. I actually didn't know that, Ben. I would have, I would have, uh, uh, I would have bungled my kidnapping attempt horribly. They would have woken uh, up partway through, um, <laughs> then just run away, and then I would have had to give chase. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not in that kind of shape. Uh, I, I would have lost the. I would have lost the mark. But uh, they did not lose the mark. These kidnappers. They spirited Getty away to a hideaway, a hideout uh, in the Italian countryside. And obviously, you see where this is going. It would appear JP3's loose lips sank his own ship. Uh, you know, I would, you know, it's not like they would want to make it public information that this is a, an heir to the Getty fortune, especially in a place like Italy where, you know, th- there are, you know, there are uh, criminal elements around. You know, it's not to say that's exclusively an Italian thing, but uh, organized crime did kind of have its roots in this part of the world. And uh, it is conjectured that when JP3 would like barter some of his paintings for rent, because again, wasn't swimming in, in dough, there were some folks maybe at, at the restaurant near his apartment where he would go to do this that overheard and maybe, you know, curried a little favor with a local, you know, uh, mafioso and uh, potentially maybe got a little bit of a payday, like a finder's fee. Yeah. Yeah, and to this day, the details of the, of the genesis of this kidnapping plot are still a little murky, but we do know that a few days after the disappearance, the Golden Hippie's mother gets a note and says the following, Dear mother, I have fallen into the hands of kidnappers. Don't let me be killed. Please make sure the police do not interfere. You must absolutely not take this as a joke. Don't give publicity to my kidnapping. It's spelled like kidnapping. But look, people took this as a joke initially. 
because the scuttlebutt had it that uh, the golden hippie had talked to friends, family, and locals and trusted folks in his life about solving his financial problems by arranging his own perfect kidnapping and using that as a pretext to get a large sum of scratch from his grandfather to pay the ransom ostensibly and then just keeping it for himself and saying, thank you, grandfather. I've learned my lesson and shall change my ways. There go those loose lips again, JP3. Mm-hmm. Uh, not good. Sinking your own ship. The boy who cried wolf and all that, right? Yeah. Uh, nobody nobody comes a running. Boy who cried kidnapping. Mm-hmm. This, this even translates to the local police mm-hmm. who are also aware of this. And they're like, ah, you know, he, he, he probably kidnapped himself. Yeah. We're not going to, we don't have the resources to deal with this shiftless layabout. I'm going to keep saying that. Yeah. Well, also the police. At least some faction of them were likely part of Indrageta, like part of the mafia group at the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like they were probably compromised. On the payroll, yeah, yeah. for sure. And everybody knew he was in debt because he kept partying, even though he's talking about how he's out of money, you know, bumming drinks and whatnot. His kidnappers were this mafia group from southern Italy. They knew all about his family. His mom, Gail, gets a call from uh, the mafioso ringleader, Cinquanta and Cinquanta says, Look, it's gonna, we know who your family is. It's gonna take a lot of money to get your son back. And she said, She told them the truth. She said, Look, I know we got the name, but I don't have any of the family money. We're cut off. And then he said, Ask for it from your father in law. He has all the money in the world. All the money in the world. There's a film biopic, I guess, uh, by Ridley Scott called All the Money in the World, um, mm-hmm. which I have not seen, but I very much want to. In fact, I think after we uh, wrap up here, I might uh, rent it on the old Roku and give it a look. Um, I do like Ridley Scott. I, this doesn't appear to be considered like one of his like greats, because uh, I certainly haven't heard a whole lot about it, but I am fascinated to see how this was uh, dramatized. All the Money in the World. Uh, and so they do just that. They go to, to old uh, dear sweet curmudgeonly grandpapa, and, and and lay it out for him, you know, thinking he would just, oh, my 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 poor sweet grandson. Um, yeah. That is not what happened. No, no. They're swimming with the shark, and they think they're in the guppy pool. This is going to be part one. We thought this would be the perfect place to pause the story here. We're going to return at the top of next week with part two of this story. We're going to zoom out because you need to learn a little bit more about old J.P. Getty, the patriarch, to learn why things went down the way they did. Uh, But we can't wait for you to hear it. Thank you for joining us, folks. As always, thanks to our super producer, Mr. Max Williams. Max, you're not secretly a Getty, are you? Because you've been making some- all the money in the world. You you got some weird timing with your chuckles today. I mean, uh, Maxwell James Williams Getty, yeah. I mean, there's no hyphen at the end of my last name. You son of a gun. The third Esquire Junior Senior. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing we've learned from this episode, though, is don't name your children junior and third. and Because if down the road someone does a podcast about you, it just gets messy. Right, like Gabriel Garcia Marquez's 100 Years of Solitude, which is a great yeah, book. Right. Uh, but or, very or, or, like, or, like that, or like that House of Dragons business. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah. Well, that's also just a matter of casting. You know, a lot of, a lot of those people look very similar i'm thinking yeah but also even the ones with different names their names sound similar 
Yeah. You know, you've got Ranieri's, you've got Rainey's, you got, you know. Anyway. We can just mad lib it. I can make really, one up now. Really it'll good. sound It'd be like, totally believable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you'll be like Valerio and they'll say, oh, I think I remember him. Yeah. Valerio, right? Valley High. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> so with, with that name confusion aside, we are sticking to some nicknames for these folks. But this is an important story, and we can't wait to explore it with you. Uh, thanks also to our own, uh, our own Balthazar, Jonathan Strickland, a.k.a. The Quister. Uh, let's see who else. Thanks to, oh, Eve Jeffco, Alex Williams, who composed this slamming track. Alex Williams, indeed. Christopher Asiotis, here in spirit. The ghost of John Paul Getty, uh, Jr., Sr., Maxwell, Esquire, Tally Ho. Oh, the, Tally uh, Ho to you. Yeah, Tally Ho to you. The kidnappers are calling me, Noel. I got to go. Okay, all good. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.